accomplish what it is we, in our heart, want to accomplish from it. If it's not doing us any good in our life, something's wrong. Because all of God's word is profitable. It has an application. It has a benefit. So uh, you be thinking about that because a lot, a lot of discussion has been had and will be had, I'm sure, about Rahab and, um, and what she did and what she didn't do or whatever. And we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, and we'll look at, at everything Scripture tells us about Rahab, which isn't a lot. We shouldn't know not. Jack? Um, in addition to Rahab, you've also got the issue of the midwives lying to Pharaoh about killing firstborn. Well, you look, look, at, look at all these passages. Yeah. Not, not just Rahab. I mean, you look at the others. Now, you've got David fainting madness. Mm-hmm. Really mm-hmm. He let them draw whatever conclusion they drew. I mean, you, you can look at all these, and we'll look at all of them because I want to come, I, I want to look at all of them somewhat with the same eye. Now, I will draw this distinction. To me, there is a big difference between, as it were, disobeying where those in authority, and we've talked about this, disobeying those in authority where there is no jurisdiction, where they have no right to go where they're going. It's not in their domain. All right? So if I disobey, am I really disobeying? Because they had no right to ask me to do that. Today we talk about, you know, constitutional authority in our country and whatnot. Does, does the president have the right, constitutional right to do this? Well, don't, don't. Don't uh, lay that aside. That's not just a political matter. Uh, that applies to everything in life. Those who would seek to rule over you need to have the right to do so. If they don't, then if I say, no, I'm not going to do what, you have, what you've said, because you have no right to say it, uh, and is disobedience the same as lying, but in all these, in all these, I would encourage you, okay, why do we care? What's, why, why does it matter to us? Do, do, are, are, we, are we trying to make Rahab look better, make her look worse? Are we trying to find a reason why we can lie sometimes? I hope not. But, you know, I, I, I started thinking about this, and I thought, well, just... Why, why do we care? So I want you to think about that. I don't, I'm not going to discuss it today. But I did want to let you know I'm not ignoring Rahab. I'm coming back to her. And, um, and we'll touch on some of these others. Because I think in some ways the principle is the same. And especially from my viewpoint, and since I'm the teacher, my viewpoint maybe gets more attention. <laughs> so if you want to have that ability, you talk to Dr. Byers, he's a Sunday school superintendent, and volunteer to teach, and you can go to it. So there are benefits to being a teacher. But, no, I do want it to be of, of, of help. And, and it's very interesting. 
to me. Very, very interesting when we see what Scripture has to say about Rahab, about all these people, um, in many ways. Good. All right. So, back to the Ninth Commandment. I'm on page 480, well, 488 is where we started on the Ninth Commandment. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. We are on question, larger catechism, question 144. And we are about halfway down through our answer. Now, if you recall, the way I grouped what's in the answer, numbers 1 and 2 are preserving and promoting truth. Number 3 is standing for the truth. 4 through 10... I grouped as speaking the truth. And now the section we're in, which is 11 through 18, yeah, 11 through 18, I've kind of summarized as using the truth. Using the truth. Okay? How do we use it? What can we do to make use of it? And we had touched on number 13. Uh, it starts a, a new little section in here, sorrowing for and covering of their infirmities. Now, that's a charitable esteem of our neighbors, going back to what is footnote 11, loving, desiring, and rejoicing in their good name. And then what we're picking up with today, sorrowing for and covering of their infirmities. And the sorrowing for we had touched on um, You know, it being, being upset, be, it, it troubling us when someone is walking away from the Lord, going astray. And in those situations, what, what can you do apart from feeling bad about it? What, what in turn, as practically again, what in turn does that lead us to do? What's the one thing you can always do? Pray. So you pray. You know, we pray a lot for the lost, and, and well, we should. Because we, we realize the dire situation they're in. You know, they're one breath away from hell. And we pray for them. But I would suggest to you that we should be equally concerned with praying for the brother or sister in the Lord that's going astray. Because what they're missing out on. And, and what it's going to do to their life. They're not, they're, they're, they're in God's displeasure. They, they will realize that. Now it's a different, they're not going to experience the wrath of the lost the wrath of God on the lost. But we talked about when we sin, when we're saved, but we sin, we incur our Heavenly Father's displeasure. Parents will understand that. When our children disobey, it hurts. We're not happy. Well, the same is true with our Heavenly Father. So, we pray for them, and then... About the only other thing you can do is do what? 
If that's happening, what does a brother or sister in the Lord do when someone's going astray? Yeah. You go and talk to them. Now, that, that takes discretion, right? It takes love first and foremost. But yeah, if, if the Lord gives opportunity, you go and you talk to them. You know, you, you encourage them from the word to come back, to correct their way. Maybe even just to say, do you, do you understand what you're doing? Because they may not. They may not have thought about it. So the sorrowing and what that leads us to. And then what we want to talk about today, which will probably take a good bit of our time. I don't know. We'll see. Covering of their infirmities. Covering of their infirmities. We, uh, we talked about, well, let me just ask. We'll, we'll go and we'll look at our passages. What do you think that means? Hide their sins? Do, do, you think, do you think we're talking about sin here? Let's, let's just clarify that. Their infirmities, as the, as the word uses, if you look at your proof text, anybody got any question about the fact that we're talking about sin? Some kind of how, how serious it may be may be a question. I mean, all sin is serious. Don't misunderstand me. But if somebody's just offended you by a word versus murdering your spouse, obviously a big difference. All right? But so, so I, don't, I don't think. Does anybody have any question that we're talking about sin? Well, I would suggest to you that the proof text would say yes. Right. Uh, that, that yes. It, this, this is their infirmities, and that's where the, the, the word that's used here, I don't know if it's used in Scripture <laughs> anywhere, but the proof text that they gave, and that's what I looked at. It, it, well, just look real quick. Well, And we're going to talk about some of the, the we're going to, because the word, the, 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 the proof text here, let, let's look at that real quick. Uh, number 14, I'm on page 491 in your, uh, in your books. Um, and we've got Proverbs 17, 9. He that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth a matter separateth very friends. 1 Peter 4, 8, and we'll look at these again in a little bit. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Now, here, you know, we, we obviously aren't covering a, a, a disability, a sickness, or whatever. There, there are things we do for people that are sick in praying for them. But I think here, I think the, 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 the authors of our material, uh, the divines of the assembly, um, did uh, intended... For us to be talking about sins. Now, covering our transgressions, our sins, our infirmities, 
trespasses. What's the first thing I'm thinking that comes to your mind? What 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 does that kind of okay? Where where what do I know about that? Well, the the, the love chapter, but even much greater than that. What's the first thing for you and me personally? Have you ever experienced this? Well, but but have you have you experienced it from the standpoint of Paul? Sure, exactly. Our salvation. Our salvation. And I'm we're gonna look. Because that's the only other way this is used in Scripture. It's what God has done for us. What we then or to do for others. Paul? This one is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, think about it. <laughs> and, and again, we're going to look at the passages, but exactly what Paul's... If, if you look at this, all right, keep it in context. Ninth commandment. We're not to bear false witness. How do you think about somebody relative to what they've done to you? Or that you know what they've done? Well, let's look at the Scripture. Because the other part, the question, well, where do we get our best example? Well, let's look at what it says about how God looks at us. You know? So, my first question is, what is the result of our sins being covered? So go to Psalm 90, excuse me, Psalm 32. And a lot of these verses will be familiar to you. Psalm 32 Bless, uh, verse 1, 32, verse 1, Psalm 32, verse 1. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. What, what, are, we, what are we reading here? Blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven. How does that happen? How is the only way that happens? Right, in Christ. What Christ has done, blessed is the saved man. The man who has come to Christ. The man who by faith has embraced Christ as his Lord and Savior. That's the only person whose sin is forgiven. The only person. All right? Blessed is that man whose sin is covered. Covered. Covered in the sight of who? God, right? 
That's, that's what we're talking about here. God doesn't see your sin. Amazing, isn't it? God doesn't see one little speck of your sin. Because they're forgiven. Christ paid the penalty and God sees none of it. They're covered. What does God see? He sees us in Christ. He sees his son. He sees the blood that was shed for the remission, for the forgiveness of our sin. Remarkable. Look at Psalm 85. As we think about these things, you keep in mind what we're saying because somehow or another, everything we're saying applies to you and me. It's going to come to apply to us. We're seeing how it works with what God has done relative to us. It's going to be incumbent upon us that then having seen how it works to make it work with one another. Can you imagine what the church would be like if we could look at one another as forgiven in Christ and see none of the ugliness of the past? Not bring it up, not talk about it, not think about it. It's gone. Psalm 85, verses 1 through 3. Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin. Selah. Well, if ever there was a place for Selah, that's it, isn't it? Thou hast covered all their sin. Stop and meditate on that. Think about that. Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. Right? So, we've seen that covering of sins requires one, we've read it twice now, what? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Now we've added the removal of wrath and anger. That's what covering, that's what you're experiencing today as a child of God. His wrath, there's no condemnation, right? His wrath has been removed from us. His anger, his anger toward our sin. The day you eat of it, you'll die. His anger has been turned away. Where was it turned away to? 
turned away to Christ on the cross, wasn't he? All of his wrath, all of his anger poured out on Christ as he hung on Calvary's tree, turned away from you and me and directed to his son. So we've seen forgiveness, no longer angry, no more wrath. Jeremiah 31. And some of these repeat some of the thoughts. But I think it's just good to see. Jeremiah 31, verse 34. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. Here's our key. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. No more. No remembrance. Forgiveness. No wrath. Anger turned away. And no remembrance. I don't know about it. It's gone. Don't know about it. Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. Almost sounds like an impossibility, doesn't it? I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. New covenant that we enjoy in Christ. Same as the, the Old Testament saints. Not the same as the Old Covenant. Right? And Hebrews 10 verse 17. Same thing. Uh, you can back up verse 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts. And in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. You have justification in the last part. Ultimate, ultimately glorification. And in the middle you got sanctification. The law in their heart. What we're, what we're studying. That law. In the heart. One of those. Don't bear false witness. Part of that. Covering the iniquities. The infirmities. Of one another. Alright. So. What does it take to do this? What is required? All right? We've seen the result. We've got these results. And if anybody's got any thoughts or anything now and again, feel free to share with us. But what's, what does it take to be able to do this? Well, let's back up and let's look at Proverbs. So we'll work our way back through some. 
Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. Proverbs 10:12. Hatred stirreth up strifes, but love does what? Covereth all sins. And in Christ, we know from John 3.16, how is it that our sins are covered? Through God's love. For God so loved that he made the way for our sins to be forgiven. He didn't hate us for our sins. In love, he made a way for those sins to be forgiven. So it takes love. Look at Proverbs 17. And we're going to see this several times over. 17 verse 9. Proverbs 17 9. He that covereth a transgression seeketh or procureth love. But he that repeateth the matter separateth very friends. Now we can see a little hint there. Of some of what we got to guard against. Right? First verse, we have to guard against hatred. Here, we got to guard against what? 17.9. Seek your love, but he that repeateth a matter. What did we just talk about earlier? Freely, clearly, fully. We'll get into some of these other things as we go along how we use the truth. We talked about, could we use the truth and hurt somebody? And we talked about that um, as to repeating a matter. We can say something that's very right, very truthful. But boy, it can be devastating. Do you know what they did? And they did it. But why am I saying it? Love covered. Kevin? I think that could also be pointing to um, our propensity of repeating someone's transgression against us to then mm-hmm. saying, Do you remember what you did to me before? Even though I forgave you for it. <laughs> and you ask forgiveness, and, and, and I think you really meant it. Or sometimes we don't think they meant it, so we, we repeat it. Yeah, Kevin, using it, just one on one when we do it. Yeah, usually what comes out of our mouth festers in our heart and our head, one or the other or both, for a period of time. No question. Good point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yes, Tim.
And, and we're going we're gonna to get to First Peter here in just a minute. That, that very chapter, and, and same area, but backing up to verse 8, and we'll, we'll bring, come on down. So good. Yeah, there, again, this is, this is something that's touched on, and it's beautiful when you start to think about it, just how much we see it in play in connection with our relationship with God. But boy, how hard it is. To duplicate it, to even come close. Yes, sir. Is that a wrongful repeating of the matter? Is that what your is that your question? Yeah. No, I, I, again, what I'm assuming in, in what I would preface my answer with is, number one, your heart is to see that person either saved or to repent. Your belief in the person that you're talking to is that they have a heart similar to yours and that they have a they have a relationship with the Lord that when they pray, the Lord hears. So that it's a genuine, sure, the church does that for people all the time. Okay? So, no, I, I, I don't think that's a wrongful repeating. There's no, there's, there's, there's the exact opposite in what you're desiring there than what our commandment is dealing with. You're looking for the good the welfare of that person, the spiritual welfare and good of that person. Violating the ninth commandment is to rip them apart. All right? It's to bring them down, not lift them up. If what you're doing, you envision, is going to bring them down, you better stop and think about what you're fixing to do and say before you ever do it. But if you're going to lift them up, or certainly desiring to lift them up, then your your heart's in the right place. All right? Good. Which kind of goes to what we've talking about. If your heart's in the wrong place, what you're going to say about them and, and what comes out is not going to be for their edification and their good. If your heart's in the right place, it is. Okay? Anything else? Any other comments? Thoughts? Jordan?
That's the sorrow in part that we just talked about. You know, it's it's interesting too, and it the 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 scene where the accuser stands before God says, "You see this person? Look at their garb. Look at how dirty they are." God says, "No, that's not how I see them. The beautiful robes." that then they're clothed with. Okay? So the accuser is there to do what? To lie about us. Does it all the time. Does it to you and to me every day. You know, you got, look at what you just did. Look at what you just said. You expect God to forgive you or to hear you or to whatever, to bless you? That's, that's what the accuser's doing all the time. And we see it, we know it, we feel it, and it's the, it's, the, it's the apex of the violation of the ninth commandment. It's where it started. He's a liar. He's the father of liars. You're of your father, the devil, because we're liars. It's ingrained in us. Hmm? Tina? To get us what? Oh, well, sure. Mm -hmm. It's even sad that Tina's pointing out, you know, and, and it's true. Just like God has chosen to use human instruments to do the work of the kingdom. The devil certainly uses human instruments to do the work of darkness, to do the work of hell. And unfortunately, some of those human instruments are believers. <laughs> you know? We, we unwittingly, sometimes, sometimes knowingly, have to be careful, don't we? To really be careful. All right. Let's look uh, Hebrews 8. Excuse me. What was I? I was in Proverbs 17.9 just now. All right. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, the familiar passage, the... Hebrews 13 and Romans 13, I mean, uh, Corinthians and Romans both, I kind of look at as chapters about love, but 1 Corinthians 13, and you can start with the, the first couple of verses there. Now, again, if you look at those first couple of verses, 
it appears that's religious work, isn't it? Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels. Well, if you're speaking with the tongues of men and angels, you're saying some pretty nice stuff, I would imagine. Though I have the gift of prophecy. Well, again, I'm assuming you're dealing with spiritual matters and understand all mysteries. I, I, know, I know about it. It's been revealed to me, presumably. I have all, understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, that one, that one, I have a little harder time. That one, do I have all faith? So that I could remove mountains. That's a lot of faith. But if I had that, and I could move a mountain, literally, but I don't have love, I don't have anything. All these things were true about me, and I don't have love. Doesn't make a bit of difference. In fact, I would suggest that it's even worse. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, that's, that's certainly commendable. Though I give my body to be burned, I become a martyr. But if I don't have love, being a martyr doesn't mean anything. Profits nothing. Charity. So what is it this, this charity does? And here we see, suffereth long and is kind. Do you lie about somebody when you're suffering long and kind to them? Charity envieth not. Do you lie about them because you envy their person or place or position and so forth? Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, May, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, Thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, what Jordan was saying a while ago, what we were considering. We don't rejoice in iniquity our own or anybody else's. But rejoiceth in the truth, the exact opposite of what we're dealing with, lie. Truth, lie. Rejoices, rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. These other things will go away. They'll stop. Charity won't. Charity we will know in eternity in its fullness. It'll never stop. You go from this life to the next, you'll never cease dealing with charity. There, the love of our Savior, the perfect love one to another, never stops. And so forth. And then, my time's gone, so let me, well, we'll pick up with 1 Peter 4.8 uh, next, next week. Tim's passage that he pointed out to us. And we'll keep talking about this, finishing it up, because it's important. This, this is a big area for us. And this particular part of it is a huge area for us. Covering infirmities. 
You stop and think about it. Husbands, how do you cover the infirmities of your wives and vice versa? Parents, how do you deal with the infirmities of your children? How do we deal with each other in the church? How do we deal with each other in the workplace? Everywhere. Everywhere. Big, big area. I guarantee you, if, if, you can, if you can consciously think about this week, how you're responding, what you're thinking, what you're saying, and see how it might, this might come into play. You may be surprised. You may be surprised. You may not be. But anyway, uh, may the Lord help us. May the Lord help us to indeed cover infirmities in the Christ-like way. Not hiding sin. And we'll talk about that some next time. We're not trying to keep people from being prosecuted for doing wrong. In fact, probably bring you to the exact opposite position. So, let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We ask for your help. We're thankful that we have the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to aid us in our sanctification and how much we need it, Lord, in so many ways, particularly in, in this way so often. So help us, Lord. Help us to be mindful, to be truthful, to not bear false witness, in turn to, to love, to love our brothers and sisters in the Lord to love even our enemies. Lord, that we might not be so, have such bitterness and hatred toward our enemies that we can't even bring ourselves to share the gospel with them. For that would be the greatest expression of love we could, we could show. So help us, Father. Help us to be good servants of thine to be examples of the believers in word and deed. Bless in the remainder of our time, our fellowship time, and then in the morning service. Give us hearts full of praise and worship, we ask. For we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.